Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning, Passion Life Church. It's good to see you. And to think you are so pumped up on this Labor Day weekend. That, that's, you just are so incredible. I just love, I love preaching to you. Welcome to part three of a message that we've entitled Storytellers. You know, all of us in our lives are somewhere in the story of our lives. We're all somewhere in the story. And uh, I'm kind of looking at the series like, hey, you know what? Our life is just like a book. And you may be right now starting a new chapter in your life. You may be ending a chapter in your life. You may be in a chapter of romance in your life. You may be in a chapter right now of action and adventure. Some of you may be in a chapter of pure drama. But the good news is, whatever chapter you may be in, the story of your life, God is notorious for writing bestsellers, the best chapters. I'm telling you, he has written the best chapters of my life. The, the chapters of my life that I've allowed him to write are the greatest chapters of my life. When I gave God the pen and say, God, hear you, it's all about you, not me. Guess what? He has written the greatest chapters of my life. And you know what? He will do the same for you. You just got to turn over the pen. Have you turned over the pen? Have you said, God, here, here's, here's my pen right on the pages of my life. And here's why this is so important. It's a sobering thought, my church family, to think that your story is going to outlive you. Listen to this. People are going to forget your voice. They're going to remember your story. It's powerful. And I live that way. I live conscious of that every day. My son is not going to really remember the things that I said. He's going to remember my story, how my dad was. The people at your job aren't going to remember everything you said. They're going to remember your story and who you are. That's why it's so important that we share our story and how God has impacted our lives. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Acts chapter 8. If you'll just get ready there, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to go over. Over our theme scripture uh, for this series, it's found in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. And we got to share our story, and Romans bears this out, chapter 10. It says, but how will people call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear if they don't have a storyteller, if they don't have a messenger? I said this last week, I'm concerned that the message of the gospel is not getting outside of the four walls of the church. And I talk to friends, I talk to people, and you know, there's the same questions. Well, why aren't people getting saved? Why aren't churches growing? You know why? Because us as Christians aren't telling the story of the gospel anymore. And I don't know if we're afraid because it's not, it's, you know, it's not politically correct, but I'm telling you, in Romans it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to salvation. I've been saying this. I told this to our life team meeting that we had last week. I think I said it last week, but you need to hear it again. You have a pastor who believes in heaven, but you also have a pastor who believes in hell. And my church family, people who do not receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior will not make it to heaven without that. And God needs storytellers. And I'm hoping and praying that this series will help release people with a conviction in their heart to 
say, you know what? My coworker needs Jesus because without Jesus, he's not going to heaven or she's not going to heaven. And here I am. I'm on a mission to get as many people out of hell into heaven. Here at Passion Life Church, we want to make it hard for people in Marietta to go to hell because we want to let them know the good news of the gospel. Can I hear a good amen, Passion Life Church, this morning? We're on a mission. We're on a mission. And here's the great thing about your story is your story shows that you've witnessed the power of God. How many of us in here have witnessed in some form the power of God? Can I see your hand? You've seen God's power in some way in your life. You have. We all have. And so we've been really in this series looking at the early church. And they told their stories with no social media, no Facebook, no Snapchat, no LinkedIn Guess how they told the story of the gospel? Not even text messages. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have dumb phones. They didn't have nothing. All that they did was tell their story. And my church family, there's a power to that. They told what God had done in their life, how he impacted their life. You know, in the early church, they started talking about their story. The Bible uses the word witness a lot. The Bible talks about when the Holy Spirit came upon them, that they were witnesses. Would you say that word with me? Would you say witnesses? Say this with me this morning. Say, I am a witness. See, I always tell people I've never seen Jesus physically, but I'm a witness to his power. And I am a witness. And you know what's amazing is that the church was persecuted because all of these signs, wonders, and miracles started breaking out. And the apostles were getting arrested. And you know what their, their response was a lot? We are witnesses of the power. We are witnesses of his name. And you know what? They couldn't argue with that. It was so tough to argue with that. You know, in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, it actually says this about the early apostles. It says that they could not help but talk about what they've seen and what they've heard. They just couldn't help. Uh, let me read it. It says, we could not help but speaking about what we have seen and heard under great persecution they were standing before um, a great council and they just said I'm sorry but we just cannot cannot stop talking about what we've seen and heard in my church family that is me I hope that is you that in conversation at some point if you're going to talk to me you're going to hear about Jesus you know what I want to talk more about that than I do about how football is starting how golf is great and how your vacation I want to talk about Jesus because you know what I can't help but talk about what I have seen and what I have heard. Come on, that's the truth. And you say, well, I haven't really seen a lot. Well, stick around because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And so this morning, I've entitled this morning, Divine Appointments. I want to talk about how God will set up people in your life to hear your story. I believe that not only does he empower you and grace you to tell your story, like we talked about last week, but I actually believe that God will set up people in your path divinely for you to minister to them. And I'm praying that for you. And I want you to be aware of that. It's funny in my preparation time, sometimes I don't, I, I, I know the theme, but I don't really know, like, okay, this week, God, like, what? And I, I felt 
that God would have me go to this story. I didn't have the title of the message, but I had this story. And I love to preach off of story. I mean, storytellers. But there's a story in the Bible that this is just out of this world. If you've never heard this story, it's just an incredible story. I don't like to say it's unbelievable because I'm a believer, so I believe it. But you're going to see in this story about a guy named Philip who um, is going to preach to an Ethiopian man. And what's interesting is that today, really, this objective is to show you how your story is really part of a bigger story. It's not just about our story. It's about a bigger story. And, and that real big story, the bigger picture, is God saving humanity. Your story is a part of that. And what he does is he'll use people that make themselves available. And so this is an incredible story about a guy named Philip. So I really love this story. I love the name of the guy. Great name. Wow. Wow. I'm in the Bible. That's amazing. You know, uh, theologians argue, and I've read different, they argue whether this is Philip the disciple, the one that followed Jesus. And there's two schools of thought that you may need to know. Um, I don't think that this is Philip the disciple. I'll tell you why. Because it talks about the apostles setting apart men to help take care of the widows. The church was growing and uh, in the early church and they were telling their stories. But there were people who weren't receiving care. So the, the apostles put aside. They got what they called deacons to help serve in the tables. And one of the people that they got was Philip. So that's why I don't think that this is one of the apostles. Because it says the apostles separated. And Philip, the disciple of Jesus. Jesus was an apostle. And so this Philip, they call Philip the evangelist. And so Philip is an amazing guy, but he's an amazing guy. And I will tell you this, he starts seeing miracles in his life. He starts seeing people healed. He starts casting out uh, devils. It's pretty amazing. He's in Jerusalem. The church is under a lot of persecution. And then all of a sudden, an angel speaks to him. And this is where we pick up Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Have you found this? It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Verse 27. So he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury, had come, had, had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he, so he was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah. So who was he reading? He was, you're, I love you guys. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard near, uh, ran near and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Now you have to understand in this time, it was custom to read out loud. They were reading out loud. So here's this, this Ethiopian man. He's reading Isaiah. He's reading outside, uh, reading out loud. And then here comes Philip and here's what Philip says. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, listen to this, unless someone guides me? How will they know unless they have a messenger? And then it says, and he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in which the scripture which he was reading was, and this is the passage, 
that the Ethiopian man was reading in Isaiah. It was, he was led as sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened up his mouth and beginning at this scripture, this is going to be important. Where did Philip begin? At this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now, I want to show you how important divine appointments are to God. And we're going to look at how Philip approached the divine appointment. Because I think this is really important. This is a word that I have been talking about this last week for some reason. It is the word how we approach the gospel with people. Do you get in their private space and say, hey, you know, we're in this series called Storytellers. So my pastor tells me, you got to listen to my story. Have you ever had people step into your personal space? You're like, hey, okay, now you're in my space. The approach is not right. Now, do you think they're going to listen to whatever you say? Do you think if your work ethic is not good at work that they're going to hear what you have to say? No, it's all about how we approach. Have you ever been going into Albertsons and all of a sudden you're going in, you realize somebody's following you and you're like, okay, somebody's following me. And then they have chocolates in their hand and you know that they're following you with chocolates. And it's the whole approach. Like I'm being stocked at Albertsons. I do not want to buy a $3 chocolate bar. Right? And sometimes, honestly, I'm really in a rush. Like, I know, hey, I'm just, I, I just got to go. I'm sorry. And they keep following. It's like, I don't want that. And you know what? Some people are like that with the gospel. So how does Philip approach the divine appointments uh, that God has given him? Now, this is amazing. Here's what Philip does. He's seeing miracles. And he's seeing devils being coming out of people. And then an angel appears to him and says this. Philip. I want you to arise and go. Can I just tell you, Passion Life Church, it's time to arise and go. My Bible says that we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's a go. God is on the move, my church family. Did you know that two-thirds of God's name is go? Go! He's moving. He's on the move. And here's what I want to do. I want to move with him. I want what he does and what he wants me to do. I want to go. And I'm telling you, it's time for the church to arise. I know the world is in chaos, but I don't look at it as a problem. I look at it as an opportunity because now people are ready to hear the gospel. Now, like never before, people are ready. And I'm supposed to go into all the world, my sphere of influence, and share the gospel. Here's Here's what happens with Philip. He arises and he goes, and so God wants him to move. God wants you to move. Mark 16 tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now listen, why? Why are we supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel? And here's number one. It's a truth that you need to know about divine appointments. Here's why God wants you to go. Because someone is waiting on the other side of your obedience. God has somebody ready. God has somebody waiting on the other side. The reason why he's telling us to go is because there's somebody that is waiting. This, is, this, this story is just only God could put together. Philip is doing miracles, and God says, I want you to get out and go on this road. 
And so Philip doesn't even know why. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just knows that he's going to be obedient to God. He gets on this road. Listen, my church family, Philip has to travel about 50 miles outside of his way. He wasn't looking to do this. And I got to ask you a question. Are you willing to be inconvenienced for the gospel's sake? Are you willing for God to redirect your schedule and rechange your schedule sometimes for a person who is in need? And my concern, my church family, is we are so busy, we are so consumed with ourselves that we're forgetting that there's a world that needs Jesus. And so you know what's amazing is that he's walking, Philip is walking on this road. It's not glamorous, it's the desert, 50 miles out of his plan, and he doesn't even know what God is doing, he just knows he's supposed to go. And a lot of times in life, that's just what it is. God will give you one step, you take one step, and the next step is not revealed till you take the first step. It's like when you go to Albertsons. I'm talking about Albertsons today, and I don't know why. But you know what? When you go to Albertsons, the doors don't open until you step into the scanner. When you step into the scanner, what happens? The door's open. That's like faith. It's not going to work until you take that step. Then the next step is revealed. And so, yeah, you can, you can give Albertsons a round of applause. That's awesome. I shop at Target. Anyway, so... That's like faith. So here's Philip. He's on this journey. He's a desert. It's hot. He's being inconvenienced. And he doesn't even know why, but he does know that he's going to obey God. That's what's so important for him. And so he readjusts his schedule, and then he finds out what the mission is. The mission happens to be one person. Philip is inconvenienced, 50 miles, walking through the desert because God had one person he wanted him to talk to. And so I think sometimes we think about Philip and go, man, yeah, that's being inconvenienced, but we forget God's heart for one person. God will speak to Philip an hour away, 50 minutes away, and tell him to go down a road because there is an Ethiopian man who is desiring to know about Jesus. It's phenomenal, the story, and it gets better. You know what the Bible tells me? The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know what that means? There's more harvest than there are laborers. Well, I don't know if anybody wants to hear my story. There's really nobody to preach to you. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's actually a harvest that is waiting for laborers. One translation says workers to get out. And then he says, we got to pray, my church family, that people will rise up because there's such a harvest. There's not enough workers. There are people ready to give their lives to Christ. But where are the workers? Where are the Where are the laborers? Where are they? And so Jesus is saying, come on, laborers, arise up and go. There's people waiting to hear the gospel. You know, my church family, I want to be a laborer. I want to be a worker in the harvest. You know what? In high school, I was a dope dealer. Now I'm a hope dealer. Come on, somebody. And that's what I am. I want to be a hope dealer. I'm going to deal some of that hope. I want to be a hope dealer. That's what you can tell my pastor. Yeah, man, he's a hope dealer. Come get some on Sunday. It's free. Some hope. But if you don't change your mind to the truth that you are on a mission, you are on a mission. Monday, tomorrow we're off, thank God, but Tuesday, I like to say Monday is missional Monday. 
When I go to work, it's not just about me going and running, going through the motions. It's about me knowing that I'm a laborer in the harvest of God and that he may have one person there that I may need to talk to, that I may need to speak to. And here's what Philip would tell us. He would say, you know what, Passion Life Church? God said go because there was a person waiting. I like to say it like this. Philip would say, I went, I went because somebody was waiting. I know this isn't proper English, but I, I put this in my notes because I think it's pretty funny. There needs to be a went for those that are waiting. There needs to be a went. Somebody has to went because there is somebody waiting and they are waiting. I know it's not proper English. Philip would say, I went because I didn't even know there was a man that was there. And you know what he was doing? He was waiting on me. He was waiting on my obedience. I want to remind you today, my church family, somebody is counting on you. Somebody is waiting for you. Oh, Pastor Phil, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. It's the truth. It's the truth. There's somebody. And I would ask you today, who's counting on you? Is it a niece? Is it a nephew? Is it a son or a daughter, somebody at work? There is somebody who's waiting in the balance for your obedience. Is this good this morning? So Philip sees this Ethiopian eunuch. This is crazy. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. The eunuch is standing there. Now, I'm going to assume that we all know what a eunuch is. Some of us don't, so I brought a picture. Is that okay? No, okay, all right. So we all know what a eunuch is. So just make sure you're still listening. Bobby got that. That's good. I'll put the picture up there of the eunuch if you, if you want. And so it's, 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 yes, you don't want to see that. So he sees this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading from Isaiah. And look what Philip does in verse 29. It says, then the spirit said to Philip, go near and take the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how am I to understand unless somebody guides me? So when it comes to divine appointments, right, we need to know this morning. And it's important uh, that, that we understand that somebody is waiting on the other side of our obedience. But here's number two. When it comes to connecting with people, don't judge discern. Let me say this again. Don't judge people. Discern what the need requires. Now look at, watch, watch Philip's approach. I love this. Because the Bible tells me that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him that we might be saved. Some people think storytelling and witnessing is condemning people, judging people, pointing out people's flaws. That's not why Jesus came into the world. Jesus came into the world to save people. And Philip's approach is so stellar. Let me tell you a little bit the difference between judging and discerning. See, judging people can come from our logic of how we perceive how we want people to be. But you know what discerning does? This is so important. Discerning actually listens to the Holy Spirit. And discerning is really, this is what it means, to distinguish what is the Holy Spirit and what is not the Holy Spirit. Using discernment is following the Holy Spirit's leading so you can know what this person's absolute need is. All the outer stuff, don't worry. What is the Holy Spirit telling you to do in these moments? And you know what? 
I think sometimes us as Christians, when it comes to witnessing, telling people about Jesus, we can be more like the, the disciples of Jesus. Do you remember? They were talking, they saw a blind man, and they said, Jesus, uh, Jesus, um, so uh, who sinned, him or his parents? Why is he blind? And you know what Jesus said? None of that matters. What matters is this is all about the glory of God. Does it matter why or how he got blind? You know what matters is can he see? That's what matters. You know what? We could talk about people's past and all that stuff, but you know what? They need salvation. And so here's what, that's what it does. I put in my notes, when you're discerning, you'll be confirming. When you're discerning, you'll be confirming what God is already doing in their lives. You're going to see this. Philip starts to talk to this Ethiopian eunuch and picks up right where this guy, it's just amazing. Because all of a sudden he's reading and here comes Philip right at the right place at the right time. And he's trying to understand the book of Isaiah and I'm going to remind you, God loved this Ethiopian eunuch so much that he would send Philip out there to talk to him. God loves those people so much that he would maybe inconvenience you to go over there to tell them. And you know what? I thank God that somebody was inconvenienced enough to share their story and to talk to me about Jesus. And I can only do the same. Can I just tell you, if we judge people, we can miss a divine appointment. Do you know that Samuel walked up? to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel. And you know what Samuel starts to do? He starts to assess, oh my gosh, this brother, he's really tall. He must be the king. What was he doing? He's making a judgment. Not necessarily a bad judgment, but he's assessing based on physical eyes saying this one must be the king. He's tall. He's handsome. And the Bible says that the Lord spoke to him and said, that's not the one. And he had to actually ask Jesse, is there any more sons? And here comes this little ruddy teenage boy with red hair, curls, running out from the backyard, smells like sheep poop. And the Lord says, that's the one. See, because if you just judge, you could totally miss a divine appointment. But if you'll discern, you'll do exactly what God will have you do. Samuel makes an assessment based on physical attributes. And you know what? He almost makes a mistake. But you know, God speaks to him. Now, why would I say that? Because Philip walks up and sees this Ethiopian eunuch. The Bible tells us he's a wealthy man, very wealthy. He's under the queen. He's an accountant. Come on, somebody. He handles all the treasury. So he's probably got this beautiful Lamborghini chariot out there, and he's got all his jewelry on. And listen, listen, listen. From the very perception, you look and you go, he's doing well. He's doing well. Why would I need to go talk to him? He's got clout. He's got status. He's under the queen. From, I'm just saying, and here's what we can do. And my church family, I've done it too because we have eyes. I don't know how many times you've done it, but you look at somebody and go, they're probably doing pretty well. They probably know Jesus or, you know, maybe they don't need Jesus at this point in their life. Look, they look like they're doing okay. My church family, it's not about how things look, that you're making a judgment. We have to discern what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do because here's the reality. Here's a man who's rich and wealthy. Here's a man who has status, yet it wasn't enough for him. He was wanting Jesus. He wanted, all his wealth didn't matter at this point. He had the status, but you know what? It didn't fill the void 
portrayed in his life. So here he is opening up the book of Isaiah saying, I want Jesus. And you know what's amazing to me is that I don't care about a person's status anymore. I hope, listen, I hope you, you, God gives you all of your dreams. But I have looked at people who are wealthy. I've talked to millionaires. And I've talked to people who are down and out. And guess what? The answer is still the same. We all need Jesus. All of us. All of us. I don't care what car you drive, but here's the, pers- here's the perception. We can think that it's just the down and outers that need Jesus. No, it's the uppers and the inners that need Jesus too. We all need him. So if you're just going to judge by your first impression, you could make a wrong decision. That's why it's important that we discern what is God trying to do right here in this moment. Pastor Phil, how can you say that everybody needs Jesus? Because it's in the Bible. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says this. It says, God has put eternity in the human heart. Everybody, there's a longing for eternity. God put it there. They can deny it, but it's there. You know, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 27, it talks about God and this, and it says in verse 27, God has done this so that they would look for God somehow and reach for him and find him. In fact, he is never far off from anyone. All of us, all of us have a void. You can cover it up with money. You can cover it up with relationships, but it doesn't matter. You're still at the end of the day. You will never be satisfied until Jesus comes into your heart and you give your life over to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why it's important that you don't judge, that you discern. Are you understanding this morning? And so here's what Philip would tell us, number three. He would say this, in God's timing, when it comes to divine appointments, in God's timing comes super natural opportunities. Supernatural opportunities. My church family, we are not just natural beings. You are supernatural beings. You are supernatural people called by God. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You have been called out. And so when we are at the right place at the right time, and here's what I'm saying. Sometimes, see, I believe my steps are ordered by the Lord. I don't get up in the morning of God, order my steps today. I know I follow him. He knows he's set my path, but I'm saying there may be a time when you're someplace and you don't even know that you're in the right place at the right time and God is going to use it for a divine opportunity. And so, are you ready? Because here we go. I want to make sure this morning, I'm going to take this up a notch. I want to make sure you have your seatbelts fastened and I want to make sure that you have your harnesses down because this is what it all comes down to today. This is the reason for the whole story. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you buckled in? Just make sure your neighbor, are you buckled in? Because here we go. Say, here we go. What are the odds that Philip would meet an Ethiopian eunuch from Africa in a desert watering hole? What are the odds? It has to be God. And this to me, I, I've, I've heard this story. I know this story. But God showed me something in this moment that I've never heard before. Now listen to this. Did you know that eunuchs could not go into the temple? Did you know that in Deuteronomy, under the law, if a person was a eunuch, they could not congregate in the temple? 
So under the law, this man could not. He was an outsider. The Bible says that he was going to Jerusalem because he wanted to find out. He was searching because the harvest is ready. And he was searching. And when he got there, they wouldn't let him in the temple. But that didn't stop his hunger. That didn't stop him. He's opening up the book of Isaiah. Now, this is what's interesting to me, that there is a specific law of about eunuchs in the law. Come on, somebody. So he feels like an outsider. But you know what? I have found that he is reading out of Isaiah chapter 53. Three chapters over, there's a promise. Now, you've got to understand Isaiah was written hundreds of years before the New Testament. Did you know that in Isaiah chapter 56, there's a promise specifically for eunuchs? Specifically. I'm going to read it to you, Isaiah chapter 56. Look at how God knows about every situation, every person, and this is what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 3. It says, Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor, listen to this, nor let the, what is that word? Nor let the eunuch say, here I am, a dry, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and chooses what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. Verse 5. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons or of the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. No pun intended. Some of you get that later. He's reading in Isaiah chapter 53. And three chapters over, there's a promise that says that God is going to include him in his kingdom. That's strategic, my church family. That's strategic. And what's interesting is that here comes Philip along the way and he preaches Jesus to him. He preaches Jesus to him, and, and the eunuch gets baptized right there, that right, along, right along the way, he gets baptized. And you know what's interesting about this is that, and here's why you never know, you never know on the other side of your obedience who that person is. And I think that's why God didn't tell him right away. He's walking. This Ethiopian eunuch with all of his influence, with everything he was, would be the first to bring Christianity to the African world. He would be the first person to start Christian communities. Here was an outsider. Here was one person. And yet God set up a divine appointment from Philip and from this eunuch. Why? Because God wanted to do something big in Africa. So he set up this divine appointment. And here's my last point for today. Here's number four. And here's where we close today. We need to realize that what you're a part of is bigger than the part that you play. Let me say it this way. I realize that what I'm a part of is bigger than the part that I play. See, your story matters. It's important that you tell your story because there are people that are counting on you. But can I just tell you, there is a bigger picture at stake. There's a bigger picture at stake. All of Africa would be affected by one man 
by one man, my church family. And yet God called Philip to minister to him, to help him understand the gospel, to help an outsider understand that Jesus had died for him too. And churches would be started, people's lives would be affected. And it's amazing to me what God will do for one person. And you never know who that coworker that you work with is. You never know who they will be. You never know the impact of their influence. And sometimes when God tells us, we don't understand the whole picture. But I want to tell you that the part, that there is a bigger picture. What I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. But we have to play our part. My church family, I can't tell you how many times I've seen divine appointments in my own life. And let me give you just a scenario real quick. Number one, the part that you play, you could talk to somebody just where they're at, and you don't realize that that guy that you talked to, his mother was on her knees praying that somebody, that God would send a laborer into their path. And here you are, you just so happen to go to Albertsons, being chased by a guy with chocolates, and you walk in there, and you start talking to somebody, and that person's mother has been on their knees for a month, praying that somebody would talk to them. And they run into you, and you begin to discern what the need is. Philip walked in at the exact time and knew exactly what this guy was concerned with and he met the need and my church family it becomes a testimony of what God can do I can't tell you how many times for me personally let me just tell you where the rubber meets the road and then we'll pray it happened this week. This week I'm counseling um, a, a couple that's about to get married and we're doing some, some counseling and they had said something, she said something, and I said this and I said, well, this is what the truth that I believe in my heart helps this situation. Now listen, here's what she said. I've had this happen so many times and this is what they say. Oh my gosh, do you know that I was thinking about that this whole week? I didn't know that, but God knew it. And I actually didn't even know you. But you know what? Through some other appointment, God had put me in your path to speak a truth. And literally did I not know that this whole week, God had already been working on you. So when we sat at your kitchen table, I could say a truth because here's what happens. Discerning is confirming what God is already doing in people's lives. And she looked at me. She said, I've been... Oh my gosh, I've been thinking about that all week. Well, I came to tell you well, that was God. He's working in your life. He's working. I can't tell you how many times in people's lives we'll be talking and I'll say, you know what? Well, I just, and I won't say I feel to tell you this. I'll just say, hey, you know, this in the scripture says, oh my goodness. You know, I was thinking about that yesterday. And I just stepped up and said what I felt in my heart to say. And you know what he does? He confirms his word in people's lives. And they walk away going, wow. And they don't know it a lot of times, the magnitude that God was working in their lives. But my church family, I'm just telling you, it's not a spooky thing, but you need to be discerning. 
Sometimes it's just, hey, can I pray with you? Hey, sometimes it's just, hey, you know, let's just hang out. Tell me what's going on in your life. Philip approached this situation. He walked right up at the right time, said the right thing because he was discerning. And I'm just telling you what we are a part of is bigger than the part we play, but we need to play our part. God wants to save humanity and he gave you a story and your story is a part of his story. And so when we tell people, listen, I am believing that you this week be ready. Your story is a part of God's story. Be ready for some divine appointments this week. God has somebody ready to hear your story that you're going to tell. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause. Would you do that? Let's be ready. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 